What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about the companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to you, McKay Wrigley, who's the founder of Learn From Anyone. Welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm doing really well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I am excited to be chatting with you. I've you know seen you on Twitter for quite a while. It's been an awesome journey, and now we get to kind of talk about it and share it with all of the people listening. For people that don't know what you're working on or they don't know what Learn From Anyone is, can you share what you're working on? Yeah, so learn from anyone. Uh, ultimately, what we're trying to build is GPT-3 powered one-on-one learning software. Um, so in perhaps a little bit simpler terms, we're essentially trying to build AI tutors at scale for people. So let's break that down in a couple of chunks. So for people that don't know or didn't hear our last episode with Matt Schumer on GPT-3, can you please kind of outline like what is GPT-3 and then what are you kind of, are you able to do with it? And then we can kind of use how you're using that to power uh, learn from anyone. Yeah, so GPT-3 is, uh, it's essentially a deep learning natural language model um, and the kind of innovation with GPT-3 is it's, it's essentially an order of magnitude better than anything we've ever seen. Um, I want to say it's trained on something like 175 billion parameters, uh, which I want to say the previous leader was something around 15 or 18, somewhere in that range. Um, so it's quite a significant improvement. Um, and basically what GPT-3 does is it allows you to give it an input of text. And based on that input of text in a couple different parameters, it'll basically spit out natural language uh, that essentially it sounds like something a human uh, would have come up with. Uh, and so as your listeners are probably familiar, uh, GPT-3 is being developed by OpenAI, who's more or less the, the world's leading artificial intelligence um, research company. They're, uh, I hopefully I'm getting this right, but OpenAI is kind of this hybrid between a nonprofit research institution and a, and a for-profit company. And as kind of they're releasing their initial API, um, which is what, what you're seeing people starting to develop um, different things with GPT-3 is it sounds like they're starting to branch out more into some of their enterprise consumer model of research and getting funding um, through that. So they're, they're basically trying to build AGI, uh, you know, artificial general intelligence. And um, so it's, it's really exciting to kind of, as a everyday developer, be able to access such a powerful tool. 
so you're accessing that to build learn from anyone and you're saying you want to build a, the software um almost like a one-on-one -on -one, you know custom tutoring can you kind of kind of um kind of talk talk me through what the user experience is for someone using learn from anyone like if i was to get on it what would my experience be i would love to just learn a little bit more into how it works yeah so we are you know we have a lot of goals um that are both short and long term and one of the challenges there is figuring out what is the thing that we can do right now um, to start getting people excited to start learning um, about some of the use cases uh, around this type of project and sort of what I've come up with so far is this kind of concept of learn from anyone where as a user you can you, you basically have two inputs one is you pick a teacher um, which is just somebody that you'd like to learn from. And the really cool thing about this is given the sheer amount of data that GPT-3 is trained on, uh, you can basically put anyone um, of some sort of uh, significance. For example, we, we posted our initial demo on Twitter with using Elon Musk as the teacher. Um, and then based on that, you can essentially ask that person um, sort of in a, a text chat-like experience anything you'd like to learn from them or a question you have, something you want to pick their brain about. And what the app essentially does is it tries to mimic that person's personality and what they would actually say as best as it can, um, which right now is, you know, right now we're just trying to work on the quality and the consistency of responses there. Um, but, you know, you can imagine, we, we've seen our users do all sorts of things from trying to learn, uh, take product lessons from a, an AI, Steve Jobs, and things like that. So that's kind of the basis of how things work. And right now, what would you say you're spending like most of your time on during the day? Like, are you spending time shipping code? Are you trying to get people to use, learn from anyone? Um, kind of product direction. What's a day in the life of the founder of um, of, uh, of this company? Yeah. So right now, it's a lot of uh, kind of prompt design. Uh, one of the things you'll hear about a lot from a lot of people developing with GPT-3 in the OpenAI API is much of the challenge is crafting the right prompts um, because the prompt that you send to the API essentially determines the quality of the response you're getting. Um, and just even minor tweaks to it can yield pretty significantly different results. Um, and so one of the things we've been trying to do is um, that I spend most of my time on right now is, is just trying to get those responses to be consistently high quality um, and to match the personality of the teacher and to give some semblance of a, a pretty accurate answer based on the question that the user gives. Um, so that's kind of how I spend my time now. Um, it's been about a month I've been working on this and Fortunately, we've been able to get uh, about 50 beta users um, that we've gotten approval from OpenAI on uh, for some of this initial testing, which has, has been really helpful. And I kind of am curious to go back to when you started this, so a little over a month ago. Can it tell me, take me into like the origin of the story. Why did you decide to build this? Why that time? Um, we'd love to just hear a little bit more about the making of uh, Learn From Anyone. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a fun story. Um, so before this, I was working at a startup called Hivewire, um, which is a seed stage startup here. I'm based in Utah. Um, and I happened to just be on vacation for the week. 
Um, and so I was off uh, and I was spending a lot of time looking into GPT-3 and what people were building because um, you had started to see developers start getting access to the beta. Um, and, you know, as someone who is, you know, I signed up for the waitlist uh, on OpenAI's website from day one, like literally within an hour of them announcing it, I've been on the waitlist and, you know, I've just been kind of sitting here being really jealous or I was jealous seeing all these developers starting to spin up all these cool apps, um, you know, and, and I was I tweeted about it a little bit, um, just hoping that I could, you know, get access in the near future and out of nowhere, it was a, it was a Friday and someone on the open AI team DM me and happened to give me access to a, an API key. Um, and I, I've been thinking for a while about, you know, once I got access, what would I want to build? Um, and initially most of the things I wanted to build were, uh, summarization tools. I'm a little bit of a compilation nerd a little bit, <laughs> I guess you could say, you know, I really like tools like Rome and, and taking notes on books and things like that. Um, and so I wanted to do a summary tool, but the other thing um, kind of in the back of my mind was I really wanted to build education software. I thought there was a lot of really compelling opportunities to kind of use GPT-3 um, to apply uh, that technology to a lot of interesting problems in that ed tech space. Um, so I talked to a couple people, uh, a couple friends that were working on a couple projects and basically we all agreed from just playing in the OpenAI playground on their website, once you get kind of access to some of those developer tools, um, you can put in people's names and kind of have chats with real people. Obviously they're not real, um, but kind of the simulated personalities of those people. I thought, well, this is just like super cool. I've got to spin up like some sort of a demo really quick uh, and get people access to this. Uh, so sure enough, I did that. Um, it kind of blew up on Twitter a little bit. I released it. Um, it was, and it was just super fun. Like people were using it for all sorts of things. I never thought they'd use it for. Um, it was super basic, super juvenile, but um, sure enough, like people were already really excited about it. And that's kind of the moment when I realized um, that idea had some weight to it. Uh, so anyways, the, the story goes, I did not know that uh, you need a production approval from OpenAI to deploy. So what ended up happening was I, I ended up having to take it down. And uh, they were, fortunately, they were really cool. They have a really great team over there, um, really pleasant people to deal with. Um, and long story short, after the course of a week and getting some security things uh, worked out, they approved me for a 50 user beta, um, which is currently what we're still on. So that's kind of the, the story about how it came to be and how we got from the initial idea to where we're at now. And over the whole process, whether it was, you know, initially getting the idea, you know, taking the leap, um, building it out, working with OpenAI, what have been some of the couple of things that, that you've learned? Like, you know, like, like you, your company has learned from anyone. Like, what have you learned about the journey so far um, uh, that you can kind of share with the, the listeners? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of things. One, like one of the first things I learned was, so I released the MVP on the Friday before I came back um, to my full-time job. And GPT-3 is one of those things where once you start using it, it feels very much like, um, like sort of a revolutionary step in technology uh, and sort of what's possible. And I, I just could not shake the feeling that it was something I had to be working on. 
Um, like I, I literally just couldn't sleep because all I could think about was GPT-3 and, and the implications of it going forward. And so one of the things that was really tough was um, leaving my full-time job. Um, and so I, I went in on, on that following Monday and I basically let uh, my team know kind of my decision there to, to work on this full-time. And like one of the really hard things to do, especially as a, as a solo founder, is kind of um, just stepping into the void a little bit. Uh, that's a, that, That's been a big lesson is learn how to take risk um, and how to view kind of these opportunities that don't come around all that often and, and taking advantage of those. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty that comes with it. You know, I, I remember uh, the first day that, you know, the day my paycheck normally comes in um, all of a sudden you don't have that paycheck. And I am, I've only been working for a year. Um, so I'm fairly young, don't have a whole bunch of, I don't have a huge network and I don't have, um, you know, a ton of savings to invest in the, into the company. So it was sort of a big leap into the void of saying, you know, all I've got is this, you know, idea and this vision. Um, and I've got a tiny little demo that, you know, sure enough, I, I had to eventually take down. And, and so one of the things that's been a big thing for me is um, just feeling out this kind of continual feeling of uncertainty and just having to take problems as they come at you and solving them. So it's very much, uh, you know, it's very similar to entrepreneurs all over the world um, that just have these ideas and they take risks. Um, so it, it's been a lot of fun as I've gotten to engage with more people and kind of handle my own problems while talking with other people about theirs. Um, it's really, the entrepreneurial community is pretty great. Well, we're, we're in the same boat there. I feel like around, maybe around similar-ish time, I took the leap from my job to go full-time and forward-thinking. And man, there is not there is not too many other things that compare to the thrill of taking the leap and going full-time on, on an entrepreneurial endeavor endeavor. And I salute you for doing it because it's definitely not easy. Um, but it's always worth it regardless of the outcome. What would you say is, um, kind of the, the big plan for you? If you were to look out for learn from anyone in like five, 10 years, what's your big vision for it? And in what direction are you rowing in? Yeah. So right now, um, we're pretty, I'm pretty focused on just this learn from anyone use case. Um, our users seem to get a lot of value on it in it. Uh, we have a, a private Slack and, you know, all throughout the day, people will go into show off channel and share the demos. And it's, it's something that people are really enjoying. Um, so kind of the challenge right now is that um, the open AI API is in beta. Um, and so it's kind of this, process of gradually ramping up users because um, we have um, you know we have a Twitter account and email list with you know thousands of signups and, and followers um, so we're I'm I'm really anxious to, to get it in the hands of more people um, but kind of one of the challenges in the short term is working with OpenAI to make sure that it is a you know a safe experience that users aren't getting toxic responses um, you know they have a filtering engine now that um, we're, we're implementing and so we're, we're hoping to continue to work with them as the, the beta, the API beta progresses, um, to get more users onboarded, um, to continually kind of improve the product based on user feedback. Um, you know, some, some of the other things we want to do in the short term is 
have dedicated tools for specific subjects. So like right now I'm working on our uh, writing tool um, and essentially kind of the long term vision is we want to be able to make it so that you can essentially have an expert in every subject in everybody's pocket pocket. So, so that'll be in you know every device in every home. Um, people want to learn something. Um, whether it's from a you know an AI version of a real personality, or they just want to learn from a generic high school algebra teacher, um, that they can do that. And that uh, depending on the teacher, depending on the subject they're trying to learn, we'll have um, you know various UIs and various ways for them uh, to learn. But uh, so some of the exciting things that I sort of think about more on the five to ten year uh, time horizon is you can start to imagine a world where we are able to build um, these AI teachers and tutors and, and even coaches and things like that. Um, and then you start to think about some of the other technology um, that we're gonna start to see really make big leaps in the next decade as you start to think about things like AR and VR. So one of the things that I think is really exciting is you can imagine when say a company like Apple uh, releases their initial AR glasses, um, what something what, that we're gonna be able to do in the future is we're going to be able to project um, sort of a virtual avatar of a teacher. Um, somebody's gonna put those glasses on, let's say it's a college chemistry student. They're gonna be able to put the AR glasses on, go into their living room, um, and they're gonna be able to project some sort of chemistry teacher into their living room that can act as kind of their personal tutor. And you can even go even further and think like, you can simulate a virtual chemistry set um, and you can kind of build these really interactive learning environments um, with these advanced AI teachers that are just as effective as real teachers. Um, and so one of the things I think about a lot is um, there's something called the two sigma problem. So back in the eighties, um, a guy named Benjamin Bloom uh, conducted a study, an education study. And basically what he concluded from that study was that students who engage in two things, one mastery-based learning and two one-on-one -on -one instruction perform in the 98th percentile um, amongst their peers, which is two standard deviations higher uh, than average. And the way I, the thing that I'd love to see from Learn From Anyone is I would love for that to be the scalable solution to that problem. You can imagine a future where we're able to deliver kind of on this vision to give everybody an expert in every subject. And effectively what that does is it raises the entire level of what we can teach and what we can learn as, as students and teachers. Um, and you, can, you kind of think of a future where tomorrow's average student is the equivalent of today's 98th percentile student. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty compelling future that we, we feel is worth building towards. And to, to keep building towards that future and to make it happen, you, you'll need some help, right? Like you'll need yep. <laughs> a lot of help. A lot. Yep. Yep. You'll need like, you know, employees, people using it, um, maybe investors if you want, if you want that, but you'll definitely need help from the forward thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the listenership help from forward thinking? Are you looking for employees, looking for users, looking for people to spread the word? How can we help? Yeah, so right now we're in an interesting spot. So fortunately, um, we were able to raise um, a small amount of investment as well as um, we, we sold the, the 50 lifetime users. Um, there are those 50 slots as lifetime users for kind of a premium price. 
So between the two of those, um, we're, we're in a fortunate position where kind of the next 18, 24 months, we don't really have to worry about resources, which is a nice position to be in, um, you know, as a founder who's trying to get uh, an initial product launched. Um, so most of our, our current need is really just talking to um, people who have great ideas. You know, I think the number one thing that's been the most helpful to me so far is we've had our 50 users be be super engaged, um, providing ideas that they have for the future, things that they think can be improved upon. Um, so the kind of forward thinking founders community, I, I think if anybody has any ideas, um, feel free to send them our way. Um, super open to, to talking. Um, you can reach out to us uh, a couple different ways. If you go to learnfromanyone.substack.com, that's how you sign up for our email list. Um, you can also stay up to date uh, that way um, on announcements once we can go uh, expand our user base because um, we'd love to get you in there as soon as we possibly can. We also have our, our, our Twitter account, Learn From Anyone, um, with the one just being the, the number one. Um, and you can also reach out to me on Twitter, uh, just at McKay Wrigley. Um, I love talking to users. It's one of my favorite things to do as a founder. Um, was just talking to people and about ideas. So if, if there's anybody in, in the community um, that is interested, both as potential user or as uh, somebody who would potentially like to work on this um, with our team in the future, uh, we'd love to talk to you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Matt. really enjoy your podcast. So it's kind of fun to be on it myself. It's kind of a, a fun flip there. Yeah, I got to love the flip. Have a good day. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community. It's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City. And in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast. For example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air Garage. Um, additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We have Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School coming in. And these are people that you can talk with, right? You can ask them questions. These are AMAs. Additionally, you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs. And this is all only for $7 a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potentially investors then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for seven dollars a month that's forwardthinking.city all right see you tomorrow